All right, we are talking about life lessons, those truths that many of us as Jesus followers agree upon, but unfortunately, not many of us live it out to the fullest. Now, how many of us know some of the best life lessons come from those experiences that we walk through? And so I wanna to start today, I wanna to share with you a story that you may or may not be aware of about what we have, as a church have been experiencing walking through as we've learned about God's incredible generosity and power to answer prayer. In 2016, leaders of Getwell Church began to have conversation around a shared burden that we were experiencing to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ that we began to feel collectively that God might be calling us to step beyond our current footprint of 7875 Getwell Road to reach people in DeSoto County with the good news about Jesus. The problem was we had no idea what that would look like. We had no idea how we were gonna get there and there was no plan in place. And so all we knew that we could do at that time was to begin to pray. Lord, lead us, Lord, guide us, Lord, show us what it is that you've put on our hearts to be able to do. We had no idea how God was gonna answer that prayer. Around the same time, one of our staff, our uh, student ministry director at that time, uh, Nate Russell, took the courage to come and talk to us, uh, a few of the leaders of the church. And they started off and he said, I'm, I'm a little scared to share this with you because I think I might be talking myself out of a job. And he said, I think that God is beginning to place on my heart to pastor a congregation. And little did he know that we were having that conversation about expanding our influence and going beyond our current footprint. And so we began to, to talk and we began to pray. And we finally got to a point over a couple of years as leaders as we, we turned to God and our, our prayer shifted from God lead us, God guide us, God show us to God, if you want this to happen, you are going to have to make it happen because we're not sure how we're ever gonna get there. And about that time, a couple of weeks later, not months or not years, a couple of weeks later, a gentleman from Hernando scheduled an appointment with Pastor Bill, who was our lead pastor at that time. And he said, I wanna to talk to you about something. And he said, well, what is it you wanna talk about? And I said, I'm not gonna tell you till I get there. So we got there and he met and he offered to us something that, that blew us away. And we really didn't believe it at first. We kept find, trying to find the catch or the fine print. But he said, we have a church property and building in Hernando that we wanna to give to you. And we didn't believe it. We couldn't wrap our minds around it. We kept trying to figure out well, what is it you want from us and, and what's the catch here? How much money or what do you, you know, like, how are you gonna make us run the church? And he said, no, I, you don't understand. I'm giving you the keys and you do with it what you want. And I'll tell you, even as we were praying through that for a couple of years as leaders of the church, isn't it funny how we as Christians, we pray for God to do something and then we don't really expect him to do it. And we were praying and it was so hard for us to believe that we almost walked away from the opportunity. But we prayed and we came together and we said, yes, I think this is what God is calling us to do. And so Nate began to pastor that church in October of 2019. And we all know what happened in March of 2020. 
as our whole world changed and we couldn't gather as a church and, and, and things kind of got mixed up, but the Lord has been faithful and good. And he began to grow that congregation so much so that we had to expand the worship space. And because of your generosity and faithfulness, we were able to expand the worship space there. And to this day, we don't owe a penny on that construction. You were are so generous and thank you. And God has continued to grow that church over this last couple of years, especially in kids ministry. So much so that we had to go to the county and get special permission to put a modular building in the back. So literally our kids are meeting in a trailer because we've outgrown the space that we have to the point where we've got to enter into a conversation about growing that facility. And we've entered into conversation with architects and, and building contractors, and we've landed on a project to uh, build a kid space, a student ministry space, expand the worship space, and create uh, a few offices. That project has come in around $2 million. And we reached out to our Hernando congregation at the end of July, and we shared that vision with them. Uh, that we need to expand the space to be able to reach not just new people, but the people that are coming in the building today. Uh, and we've started the next gen giving campaign. You got a brochure in your seat. And we started that just a few weeks ago and we've already through giving and pledges, we have six, over $600,000 toward the project in just a few weeks. And here's why I wanna bring that to you is that we are one church under two roofs at the moment. And we want to join together to reach the people of DeSoto County with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we want to encourage you to pray about thinking about being a part of this. Do you want to reach people in Hernando and beyond? Maybe some of you drive up from Hernando. Uh, do you want to reach your neighbors, people you work with, people that you know with the gospel? And if so, we'd encourage you to think about being a part of this. Now, I wish that I could just leave the, today and go down there and write a check for the remainder of what we owe on this project. I would love to be able to do that. And actually a couple of weeks ago, I began to fantasize about what would it look like to have the money to just be able to write that check. And the reason I began to dream about that because it was so easy a couple of weeks ago to get swept up into what I know a lot of you got swept up in because I had conversations with you about it. And that was the mega million jackpot, right? That $1.377 billion payout, right? Now I know a couple of you Scrooges were like, well, you don't get that much after you pay taxes. And I was thinking, you know what? I'm willing to make that sacrifice. And I just thought about like, what would it be like to be able to have that and to be able to, to, to do something with that kind of money. And I know like it's really the chances are zero. Like you're, you know, one person got it, but for most of us, that's never gonna happen. And I know all the stories about, you know, people who win, they can't handle that kind of money and their whole life gets destroyed, right? But it, you, part of you is like, well, you know, maybe I'm that one. Like, you know, maybe I can, I'm different from all the rest. And as I was thinking about that, I, I began to realize and remember uh, something that I would run through my mind several years ago when Jesse and I first got married 18 years ago and we had next to nothing. And we kind of had this number in mind that if we can just reach this financial number that we'll be secure and we'll be satisfied. 
And I began to think about that and I realized, oh my goodness, like I'm really close to that number and I feel neither secure nor satisfied. I mean, that's just a confession as your pastor. I'd like to think I'm above that, but, but we're not exempt from that. We, we all kind of struggle with that feeling. And I realized how easy it is for that mark of enough to shift for us over time. And then the Lord brought a truth to me that really pierced my heart. And I wanna offer it to you. It's from Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. There's a couple of things that we don't like to realize about ourselves. Number one is that we, at times in our lives, really love money a lot more than what we'd like to think. And number two is that we have a lot more resources or at least opportunity to gain resources than what we'd like to think. And here's what happens when we live life that way is that money, rather than being a tool for us to use in life, money takes control over our heart. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants, wants to set us free from that. And we need two things as we turn to Jesus to be able to set free. Number one, we need a heavenly mindset. Number two, we need a generous heart. And as we turn to Jesus and we turn our lives over to him, these are things that he will give us. He will set our eyes on heaven and he will transform our hearts that we begin to experience joy in giving. Now, as you look at the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, I want you to notice two very important things about how he talks about money. Number one, unlike most of us who will never talk about our paycheck, will never talk about our budget, will never talk about how we spend our money with anybody else, Jesus did not shy away from the topic of money. As a matter of fact, the number one thing Jesus talked about was the kingdom of God. The number two thing that Jesus talked about was money. He didn't shy away from this topic. But the second thing that I want you to notice that maybe you haven't noticed before is that he seems to be a lot more concerned about what is right than he is concerned about what is fair. See, Jesus comes to us and he, he definitely wants us to turn our hearts to God and he wants us to trust him and be obedient to him. Whatever the call, Jesus, the, the answer is yes. And he wants to invite us into a grace that does not make sense to this world. And let me tell you, it is not completely fulfilled in this world that the grace of God will be completely fulfilled in the new heavens and the new earth. We're not made for this world. And yet we so easily hold on to the things of this world instead of what God wants to bring into our life. And as he does that, he wants to speak directly to the condition of our heart. And there's not a one size fits all. Now there are some principles that scripture invites us into. We need to understand that everything belongs to God. We need to understand that, that God sets the benchmark of the tithe to bring 10% into the storehouse, into the church, to serve a broken world, to care for the poor, to share the gospel. And we need to understand that God wants to instill in us a generous, trusting, faithful heart. But how God does that was gonna look different for each and every one of us. 
And what I want us to understand is that we don't just get to check a box here and move on, but we've got to willingly, faithfully listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in us of here's what I want to do in your heart when it comes to your resources. Quickly, let me give you two examples of how this played out in the ministry of Jesus. First, I want to look at this interaction between Jesus and the rich young ruler. Mark chapter 10, verse 21 and 22. Jesus looked at him, meaning the rich young ruler, and he loved him. Please understand this. Jesus in this interaction does not come with judgment, anger, disappointment, or condemnation. He's coming to him with an invitation, with love and compassion. He loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. What Jesus understood in that moment was that the man's resources, his wealth, his grip was a boundary between him and what Jesus wanted to do in his life. And he wanted to rid that man of that burden. But there's another interaction that Jesus has with another rich man that looks a little bit different. Interaction with a guy named Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. We'll start verse eight. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give how much? Half. Half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. He's going back to Levitical law here. If you cheat somebody out of something, you pay four times back. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus comes to Jesus, I'll give half of everything and I'll pay back four times of anything I've stolen. Jesus did not say, well, I mean, that's awesome, but I just asked that guy to give up everything. So you're gonna have to give up everything too. That's not what Jesus did because he didn't, he wasn't concerned about what's fair. He said, I wanna get to the heart, to your soul, to your mind of what it is you trust in. And he understood for Zacchaeus at that moment, there was nothing held back. He was all in. Yet for the rich young ruler, there was a boundary and God wanted to move that boundary out of his life. And I wonder what kind of boundaries are in our lives that Jesus is wanting to pull out, unroot, that we could fully trust him. So how do we do that? Well, Paul gives us some principles, some truths about what that looks like. He's writing to Timothy in the letter we have in our Bibles, 1 Timothy, who's ministering in Ephesus which is a pretty well-to-do community. They were fairly wealthy in the world standards. And Paul's writing to Timothy with some instructions about your, his life and the life of the church, about what do you do with those resources that God's given you. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness." Fight the good fight of faith. 
Take hold of eternal life, which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And this way they will lay up their treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. All right, a couple of things. Number one, Paul is encouraging us with this truth that contentment is powerful. There's real power in being content with the life God has given us. Verse six, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. So what Paul is inviting us into here is a bigger vision than what we have and experience in the here and now. And look at what he says. Verse seven, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. It's like, why don't you just tell us how you really feel, Paul? And what Paul is doing, he's not trying to poke us in the eye. He's not just trying to humble us. What he's doing is trying to shift our focus. What are we looking for? What are we looking at? See, every single one of us, we came into this world in the same condition. We brought nothing with us. And what Paul wants to remind us is that what's waiting for all of us, either we die or Jesus comes again, we're going to leave this earth and we're going to take nothing with us. And yet so many of us are fixated on what happens in a tiny little sliver of our existence when we have all of eternity before us. And we get fixated on a tiny little sliver of that tiny little sliver when we retire. Instead of understanding that God has rewards waiting upon us. The Bible teaches us that everyone who rejects Jesus, who does not receive the gospel, will be judged for their sins. But everyone who confesses with their mouth and trusts with their heart, we follow Jesus, we trust him, not just believe in him, that he exists, but trust him by faith, that we are not condemned, but we're judged for what? For our faithfulness and we will receive rewards in heaven for eternity. That's what's waiting on us. And Paul says, you gotta shift your vision and be content with what God has given you because there's so much more that's coming for you. There's an inheritance waiting on us. So here's the truth, is that if my joy and satisfaction is dependent on what I don't yet have, then I am never gonna experience joy and satisfaction because there's always something that I don't yet have. And if my only joy in God is by what he gives me, then I am selling myself short because God doesn't just wanna extend something to me. He wants to give me his very life his presence and his power and his love. And he wants me to live in that love. Am I willing, am I praying for contentment? Number two, Paul tells us that the love of money is dangerous. The love of money is dangerous. Those who wanna get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. 
Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. All right, here's what you get when money becomes your primary pursuit. You get traps. You fall into foolishness and harm. You get ruin and destruction, all kinds of evil and pierced with many griefs. I don't know about you, but that is not on my bucket list. That is not what I am pursuing in life. And how easily I can find myself ensnared in the promises of money and wealth and resources. Now he doesn't say that money is wrong. He says the love of money is wrong. You know, there's two ways that we can treat money. One way is to use money as a tool to serve in the things that we love. And I hope by, by the truth of the gospel that what we really love is God and we use money to serve him. But money can also be something that rather than being a, becoming a tool, it can be, become something that we love. And even when we use it as a tool to serve something we love, we need to make sure that what we love is what we should really love. See, the reason that Jesus talks about money so much is it is a great revealer of what's in our heart. So you can use money as a tool to serve other people because you love others and a tool to serve God because you love God. And it's a wonderful tool. Or if you look at your life and you realize I'm using money as a tool to just serve me, to have security, to have pleasure and comfort. You know what? You might just be in love with your own pleasure and comfort a little too much. Or if you look at your life and you approach money with fear and anxiety and stress, you know what? You might just find yourself in love with money and the security that you think it brings. And here's the thing about money. It's a good tool. It's a terrible God. Because when I give my life over to money, I never, ever, ever experience freedom. I always experience bondage. And I don't want that for my life or for your life. And as I've walked with, with many of you and I've experienced in my own life, we've often trade what we think money will bring with what God says he will give. I know some of us in the pursuit to try to take care of our families financially, we've traded the pursuit of money for the love of our family for knowing our family, many of us, we're trying so hard to give our children a good life and we're trying so hard that we don't even know our children and they don't know us. Many of us have traded the pursuit of money for our integrity. There was a moment in our life where we said, this is a non-negotiable and somewhere along the way it became negotiable. And we walked away from what we said was so very important. Many of us have traded the pursuit of money for our purpose. Where God has called us to step out in a career or a pursuit or in giving to trust him because he wants to do something with our life. And we're so scared about giving up a resource that we're unwilling to step into that purpose and we completely miss out on the amazing life God has for us. That's a bad trade. The love of money is dangerous. Number three. I cannot be passive. Look at what Paul writes, verse 11. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. 
Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your, God, your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Take a look at what Paul says. Flee from this, pursue righteousness, fight the good fight. Hold on to the faith you had. Take hold of it. See, a life of faithfulness does not happen by accident. It does not happen to you. You say yes to it. And we cannot be passive in this pursuit of God. And the reason that Jesus is so intent on pushing us in this place is because money will often take hold of our hearts. It will become a boundary between us and God. And we cannot be passive in this. So what does that mean for us? Let me offer you just two actions that we must take. Here's the first. I've got to deal with pride. I have to deal with the pride in my heart. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. I cannot let pride drive me and how I understand the resources God gives. And I've got to be insistent that I am not looking at the people around me, but I'm just focusing on what is it God is doing in my life. Because when you look at the people around you and you compare your life to others, one of two things is gonna happen. Either you're gonna be puffed up with pride, look how great I am, and God says he opposes the proud. Or you're gonna look around and you're gonna throw a pity party and I wish I had that and you're gonna have insecurity and you're not gonna be able to or willing to step into what God wants to do in your life with the resources he's given you. Just focus on what God is placed in your hands and how you can be faithful to that. Number two, I've gotta be generous. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. I need a heavenly mindset. Here's the thing, Paul says, command those who are rich. Now, many of us, when we hear that, we're like, whoo, I can check out, I don't have to listen anymore. <laughs> That's somebody else. You're not talking to me. You know, when you look around the world, if you've got food in the fridge, if you've got clothes on your back, and thank God you're all here with clothes on your back. <laughs> you got a roof over your head and you got some money in the bank, you are more wealthy than the great majority of the world. And that's when that's the life that we are in, God says, teach us to be generous and rich in good deeds. I've got to do something with it. And there's a progression we can walk through. The first thing that we have to do is that we've got to understand what it is that God is calling us to. And we've got to decide. What does that mean? We've got to decide what our values are. We gotta decide what we believe. We gotta decide what opportunities we have. We gotta decide what the needs around us are. We have gotta decide what God's calling us to. And guess what? You cannot do that unless you're listening to the voice of God. Get in his word, say, Lord, speak to me. I don't wanna blanket whatever. I want your word for my life. I wanna say yes to you, you gotta decide. Then I gotta plan. Put a budget together, dream, pray, have a conversation with your spouse or, or people around you that give you counsel and say, this is what I think God's calling me to. How do I plan to make that happen? And then I've got to act on it. Take a step. You don't have to know every step to take one step and move toward Him. 
we as followers of Jesus have got to pursue the heart of God so that our hearts can be set free from the hold that money can have on us. Are we willing to experience that? Listen, talk is cheap. We gotta act. And if you're being generous already, way to go, keep it up. But here's my encouragement. I don't want you to just be generous in some kind of random way. I want you to hear the voice of God in your life. And I wanna encourage you to pray. And even if you've heard a word from the Lord and you've been faithful to that, I want you to pray specifically, Lord, is this still where you want me? Or do you want me to step it up? Do you want me to shift it? What is it you're calling me to do? Because God has a plan for your life and what you have, that's why he gave it to you. And if you need some work, don't beat yourself up. Don't get caught in self-pity or shame. Just say, Lord, help me to move forward and decide and plan and act. God, you are so gracious and loving. Would you do a work in me and transform my heart that I can have joy in this, that I can trust you? Lord, I'm waiting for then, I'm waiting for heaven, but I wanna be faithful now. God, would you help me in that? Because here's the thing, it's really not about giving at all. It's about knowing what you have received, that everything you have has been given to you and oh my goodness, we have an inheritance waiting on us for heaven. As Jesus was talking to the disciples and those early leaders that he sent out and they came back and they were reporting on all that they had done and they were so excited about their performance. And Jesus prayed this prayer in front of them and he said, Lord, thank you that you've hidden it from the wise. You've hidden it from those who think that they have all the answers and you've delivered it to little children. It is not about building a kingdom and thinking you got it all figured out. Listen, I'm not excusing the real needs or the value of work or wisdom. I'm just saying we've gotta be understanding that God is for me and he's moving in my life and I trust him with it. And I, I don't gain this by performance or some strategy. I gain it by being totally dependent on God. Let me close with this. Jeremiah said it this way. Jeremiah chapter nine, verses 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the, the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. I don't boast about wisdom. I don't boast about performance or success or strategy. The only thing my heart is set on is to know God and be known by him. And everything else will fall into place. I look at the rich young ruler and that one thing that was between him and the heavenly reward that Jesus wanted from him was his inability to loosen his grip on what he had. Lord, please do not let us miss out on what you have for us because we're unable to let go of our grip on a career, a 401k, or what we want, or, or any of that stuff. 
And it might just be that you've shown up week after week after week and you've never surrendered what you have for what God has for you. And maybe you agree that Jesus is Lord, but that is not the same thing as trusting in Him, of surrendering to Him. And I beg you to consider, Lord, I, I wanna trade all that this world has for all that you have. Or maybe you've been walking with God and right now as we speak, the Holy Spirit's kind of meddling in your life and He's stirring your heart right now and you're like, stop it. But He might be saying to you, I want more for you. And this thing in your life is, is a boundary. Would you let me unroot that and pull it out? Would you have the courage to say yes to that? It's not a one size fits all. It's what God wants to do in your heart. And I pray and I beg you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. So if you'll stand, we're gonna close out and sing one more song. And I hope that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. These prayer rails are open. If you wanna come and pray, you can invite one of the pastors to pray with you if you'd like that. Let the Holy Spirit take you to that next place that you can have your eyes on all that God wants for you. So let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for the hope of heaven and the rewards that are coming. God, please help us to loosen our grip on all that this world has and what we sometimes think is so very important. And let it not be a God to us, but just a tool to serve you. Get our eyes on heaven, Lord. Get our eyes on you. Give us contentment. Give us passion for your kingdom. And speak clearly and directly to whatever's going on in our life and our heart and our mind on this day. And we pray this in Jesus' name and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.